Hello, and welcome to the We Talk Structures podcast. Here's your host, Maitili Gadge, with today's episode on reinforced concrete and its interesting facts, with Robert. Robert is a civil engineer with over 12 years' experience in the design, tender documentation, and construction management of civil and structural engineering projects. He endeavors to enhance his engineering knowledge through attending continuous professional development courses and workshops. Over the years, he has attained skills to manage, direct, and control engineering projects from inception to completion, while communicating effectively at all levels during project cycle. He has also mentored junior engineers and technicians to an acceptable competence level in the office of practice. Hello, structure lovers. So what is concrete? Okay, thank you. Concrete is a construction material. Basically, that is made up of chemically ionized particulate substance known as aggregate. This aggregate can be sand, it can be gravel. It is bonded together by cement and water to make a hard substance that will be known as concrete. The cement that is used is known as Portland cement, which was named after a British inventor called Joseph Aspidin in the 1800s. So this concrete dates back to the 1800s, the modern concrete that we are using. So Joseph Aspidin actually uh, ground a mixture of limestone and clay and then bend it. That's how Portland cement was made. Then that Portland cement is mixed with aggregates and water to make the concrete, which is a construction material. Thank you. So what is reinforced concrete? Okay, reinforced concrete now, when this concrete that I've just defined, when, when steel is embedded into that concrete to give some additional strength to the concrete, it becomes reinforced concrete. As you know, concrete is stronger in compression, but it's very weak in tension. So when it's being used as a a construction material, you need it to be able to resist both tensile and uh, compressive forces. So now when steel is now embedded inside the concrete, it will assist the, the concrete in, in resisting tensile forces, while the concrete itself resists the compressive forces. So that makes reinforced concrete element, which is used in the current building materials. There are many building elements that you find with this reinforced concrete in use. I think basically in a nutshell, that defines a reinforced concrete. Whenever steel is embedded in concrete, it becomes reinforced concrete. So now we know concrete. Now we know what is reinforced concrete. Would you explain what are the uses of concrete? Concrete has got many uses. As as I have already indicated, that it's a construction material. Actually, it is the widest man-made substance known on the face of the earth after natural water use actually is the most widely used substance after water is the concrete it's used to make virtually anything in construction for example we've got buildings uh you can have buildings that are made of concrete which is reinforced 
it may also be used and reinforced in buildings. For example, when you make blinding or when you just want to make a mass concrete structure, foundation, at times you don't reinforce. But when you want to build tall buildings, you have to reinforce that concrete. So there are elements in the concrete building that include columns, beams, slabs, all those things they made of reinforced concrete. So when concrete has been put together, it gives products like bridges can be built using concrete. We have got high-rise buildings. They are, we use concrete. We use for roads. We can use concrete for roads just to make our pavements for the road. We can use concrete. Parking areas, we use concrete. Dams, we use concrete. Swimming pools, we use concrete. Silos for storing uh, agricultural produce, we use concrete. Street cabs, sidewalks, patios, basements, all those things are made up of concrete. So it has got an unlimited uh, use in terms of construction concrete. So it has got many uses in the construction industry, which I cannot finish. I thank you again. Yeah, that's right. So how is concrete placed and how are the voids removed from it? Concrete, basically, it can be placed in different methods, depending with the volume that is being cast. If it's for a small job, where maybe you just need a few bricklayers to mix the concrete, they can mix in a wheelbarrow and then they can place it uh, using a shovel. But that will be like if you are doing like fencing, for example, you have got those poles that support a fence. You need to embed them in concrete to make them strong. So they can just do a small mix with a shovel and put some water in a wheelbarrow and mix and pour in a, into the trench. So that actually is not reinforced concrete, just concrete. Then when it comes to uh, reinforced concrete now for heavy-duty industrial construction, now you need to to have some pumps to pump it into place. Wherever you want to put it, let's say it's a floor slab, you can have a truck which is fitted with a pump to pump it into that place where you are casting it. Once it has been placed on the uh, on the ground where it's being put, it needs to be leveled and put in a way that shapes it the way it's required before it sets into a hard concrete. So we have these pumps now that help now to take it to wherever that is, uh, that is required. Then in terms of finishing, oh, there are many ways of finishing it depending on the product that's being made. If it's a rod, you can just use some brooms to spread it. Then after that, you drag a bellep just to give some riding surface for the vehicles. If it's for a house, the finishing can be done with a straight edge. You have some straight edge, you have got some float that can just float it to make it look nice. Then after that, you give it time to harden. So that's basically how it's placed and uh, finished. Okay, so now we know how the concrete is placed. What would be the setting time of concrete and what can be done before it sets? Okay, 
concrete has got uh, two types of setting. Once we have put it in, a, we have cast it where we want to to make a, maybe a slab or a column or anything that we are making with it. When we finish the floating and slashing of it, there's what is called initial setting time. This initial setting time, it ranges from one hour to three hours. So this initial setting time, that's when it loses its flowing properties or liquid properties. It starts to harden. But if you apply a bigger force, then it will actually, it can be punched. You can still punch it in one to three hours. So after 24 hours, then you get what we can call as final setting time. That one is, is it happens in 24 hours. So what happens when you mix the concrete, there's a chemical reaction that happens between the water, the cement, and the aggregates. So there's a lot of heat that's generated. So when that heat, call it heat of hydration. So when it's generated, that heat of hydration, it will go to a peak. And then once the concrete starts to cool down, within that 24 hours, then you start getting your final setting time. Then it sets to start now to harden now, which the full hardening of concrete will take 28 days after that final setting time for each to reach its final structural strength. It takes 28 days after the final setting time of 24 hours. So basically those are the times that concrete Yes, that's right. So what is the design of concrete and why it is necessary? All right, design of concrete basically, since I've mentioned that concrete has got different uses, you can use it for bridges, you can use it for houses, you can use it for dams, you can use it for multi-story buildings, you can use it for roads. Right, so design now is a process where a trained engineer or a technologist will actually estimate the amount of reinforcement that needs to be put into a concrete so that it will be able to resist the forces that will be exerted on it during its lifetime. So, for example, if it's a building, you will have to know the use of that building and then you have to estimate the number of people that are going to use it and also if there are any movable equipment that will be in that building all those things they will put a load on the slabs of that building so now the process of design is to be able to put adequate steel into concrete so that it will not yield or fail when it's exerted with those forces So that's why it is necessary now to have uh, the design so that when it's exerted to the forces of during its use, it will not fail. If there is a fire in a building, it should also be able to resist that fire and not automatically collapse. So that's how the design is necessary. So a trained person will be able to do that using uh, rational methods depending on the country. If it's in Europe, we have to use Euro codes. America, you use American codes. South Africa, there are South African design codes. Australia has got its own. So you just follow those design codes uh, to adequately size the concrete to resist those forces. So basically that summarizes the design and its importance. Thank you again. Okay. So we know the design of concrete and why it is so necessary. Why do we need to have cover and reinforce concrete? 
All right. Cover is very important in reinforced concrete. Like we said, reinforced concrete is when steel is added to concrete. That becomes reinforced concrete. So when steel is added inside the concrete, it needs to be covered inside that concrete so that it's not exposed to elements. Basically, we have got corrosive environments. So we want concrete steel now because steel is susceptible to corrosion. So you, want, you don't want it to be, to be corroded. You have to put a cover, right? So cover to reinforcement in a nutshell is the shortest distance between the surface of the concrete member and the nearest surface of reinforcing steel. So inside the concrete, you can go like from 25 millimeter to 50 millimeter before you get to where the steel is. So that one is the cover. So the cover also, in addition to protection, the steel from being corroded, it also helps in terms of resisting the, the fire. Let's say there's a fire inside the building before the steel starts to yield. I think most people know that when you put a steel in fire, it becomes red. And when it becomes red, that's the weakest point that the steel is. So it means when a building is burning, the, the steel, if it's exposed, it will lose its strength quickly. And then it will not protect the concrete and the building and collapse quickly. But if there is a cover to concrete, then the steel, even if there is a fire, it will be able to retain its properties of giving the tensile strength that's required in that building. And then that building will be able to resist the fire. So basically those are the main uses of the cover to protect the steel from corrosion and also to be able to resist the fire during a fire outbreak in a building. What is curing and what are the different methods of curing? All right. Concrete, when it's placed, basically it will be wet when it's placed. So when it dries, Normally what happens is uh, this contraction that happens in concrete, then it can start uh, cracking, right? So for concrete now uh, to be curing, uh, basically, it's now a method now where we want to protect concrete against the loss of moisture, which is required for the hydration. Because like I said, once it has been cast, there is chemical reaction that happens, which cause some heat to be generated. So for that heat not to cause the concrete to crack, uh, you need uh, to cure it now so that you keep the, the moisture inside the concrete, doesn't lose the moisture quickly and then crack. So curing will increase the strength and decrease the permeability uh, of hardened concrete. So there are many methods of curing it. The first one is just to put water. You can just do water curing. Like let's say it's a floor slab that you are casting. After you finish, you just keep it wet until the heat of hydration is finished. So that can be achieved by spraying with water or just sprinkling or ponding that concrete. Then we've got membrane curing. That's where, you, let's say it's a column in a building. Column is difficult to keep it wet because once you pour water on it, the water will just uh, flow down. So to cure it uh, uh, easily, you wrap it 
with a membrane, a plastic membrane. That can be a plastic sheet or formwork. You can just keep it inside the formwork. So that retains the moisture that's required when the heat of hydration happens. And then the concrete will not crack, but it will achieve its strength in a correct manner without cracks. Then we also have what is called steam curing. Basically, this one is just to apply steam uh, onto the concrete. So it is a process done to speed up the early hardening of concrete uh, by subjecting it to steam and humidity. So this is the most common used for pre-cast concrete plants. Uh, we've got concrete that is cast inside a workshop before it goes to a building. It's pre-cast somewhere. So in that workshop, what they do, they use steam to cure the concrete so that it achieves its properties. So basically, those are the three types of curing. The mostly used one, water curing, membrane curing, and also steam curing. Thank you again for that question. All right. So we know curing and methods of curing. Why do we not yes. need joints in concrete and what are the different type of joints? All right. Joints are very necessary in concrete. From what I have explained, it's related to what I have already explained to say when the concrete hardens, it loses the moisture that is inside or basically the water that has been used to make the concrete. It's lost when it's hardening. So it means now when the water goes out of the concrete, it's going to contract. It means the volume of that concrete is going to reduce because now the water has gone out. So the volume of the whole thing becomes smaller. So now when, when the water is going out of the concrete and the concrete itself is beginning to harden, there is what is called contraction in the concrete that causes cracks. When you see the concrete after, um, say, three to four days, if there are no joints, you start to see cracks all over. And then once you see the cracks, then it becomes weak, that concrete. So we've got uh, three types of joints that needs to be put to make sure the concrete is not weakened. It's not weakened by those cracks. These joints create a plane of weakness in the concrete, directing the concrete where to crack, basically. Let's say I've got a 20-meter slab. So the construction team will have to put some joints, a predetermined position where you have to, where the concrete has to crack. So there are three different types of joints. We've got what is called contraction joints, construction joints, and isolation joints. So the first common one is the contraction joint. Contraction joint, uh, when you see, mostly if you go in industrial floors, you see some lines inside those industrial floors. Those lines are predetermined. They are called contraction joints. Those grooves that are put on the floor is to allow the concrete to, to contract without cracking and losing its structural strength. Then also... We have what is called construction joint. This is when construction needs to stop in a day and then continue tomorrow. So when you want to bond now the concrete that was cast the previous day to the one that is being cast on that particular day, you put what is called the construction joint to join those two different concrete that have been cast in different times. So 
that makes the construction joint. Then we also have what is called an isolation joint. This one is the one that is used to separate the concrete from other structural elements. Let's say you have got uh, concrete floors and then you have steel columns. These are two different types of materials. So you don't want the steel to be embedded inside the concrete. So now you have to put an isolation around the steel column so that as you cast the concrete, it will not bond with the steel. So that is called an isolation joint. So these are the three main types of joints that you find in concrete, contraction joints, construction joints, and isolation joints. Okay. What would you like to say in the conclusion? Okay. In conclusion, I can say... Whenever, let's say, a developer of buildings or infrastructure, when they want to do something that is robust, strong, which has got high durability, they need to consider concrete as the construction material because of its adaptability and also because of its strength. You can do virtually anything using concrete. You can be adapted into any shape. You can have a circular thing, a spherical thing, conical, depending on the formwork that you pour it. Whatever form that you make and put concrete inside there, it just forms that shape. You can even do virtually anything that you want to build using concrete. So it's most flexible construction material that you can use, and then it will attain a strength to carry other loads that will be exposed to it. So to me, I would just recommend the use of concrete as the main building material for all the infrastructure development that can happen by a government or by a private developer. It's so efficient and also you will get value for money because the concrete structures also, they last for a long time. For them to really weigh out, some buildings last as much as 100 years. So an investment that you do today uh, can still give you benefits in a 100-year time because you chose to use concrete. Unlike if you use timber or other materials, those ones, they quickly deteriorate. So to me, I really recommend the use of concrete in construction and building. I think that's what I can say in conclusion. Thank you so much, Robert. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode on reinforced concrete and its interesting facts. See you in the next episode. Till then, stay tuned and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave an awesome rating and review on iTunes.